Good morning. Welcome to the Village Church. We're glad you're here. Where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. We are now using Linktree. This allows us to connect to all online information about our church, the giving of tithes and offerings, along with our social media platforms all in one place. In your bulletin, there is a QR code. With your phone's camera, you get a short link. When clicked, navigates to a web page with a list of every link link that you would need concerning our church. If you are a guest today, welcome. We ask that you scan the QR code, click on the link provided for at TVCHSV, then click on the menu item for first-time guests. Reminder, the nursery is open today. At the Village Church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. You may give to the vision and mission of the church by scanning the QR link tree code and using the menu item entitled TVC Giving. This will direct you to the link on our webpage. Or you may mail a check to our address, 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, Alabama 35811. Or after the service, you may drop your offering off in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. A few more announcements. July 4th, tomorrow, church office will be closed. July 13th, there will be corporate prayer at 7 p.m. at the church and via Zoom. The link will be sent out via flock note the day before. July 17th, we will celebrate communion together. July 19th. Women's Fellowship at 5.30 p.m., followed by Bible Study at 6 p.m., right here in the church house. July 23rd, Lead Servants Church Calendar Meeting at 9.30 a.m. to noon here at the church. These are your announcements. Please govern yourselves accordingly.
Our call to worship this morning is taken from the song, Our Great Savior. Please join with me where it notes congregation. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Jesus, lover of our soul, of my soul. Friends may fail me, foes assail me. He, my Savior, makes me whole. Amen. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Saving, helping, keeping, loving. He is with me to the end. Amen. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. 
but do you believe it? <laughs> okay. It says the Lord gives, he takes away, but blessed be his name. God is good all the time, right? Welcome again, guests, visitors, on this July 4th weekend. Join with me now in prayer of praise. Amazing love, how can it be that you would die for sinners such as we? Father, all creation praises you. You've created us in your image. You've given us a task to do. You've equipped us by your spirit. We desire to please you in all that we do. In a fallen world, Father, you still can use us to accomplish your purposes. Father, all creation praises you. The mountains cry out. The rivers cry out. The trees bow down. We praise you for your good works, for your faithfulness, for your compassion, for your love, that you are with us always, that you've redeemed us, that you're restoring us. You're restoring your creation. You're restoring us, your people, to accomplish your purposes, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Father, we thank you that all that you do is for your glory and our good. Thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. You will not leave us nor forsake us. And Father, we can proclaim that because you died, because you rose again, because you live, Father, we can face tomorrow. We know who holds tomorrow. It's not us, Father. It's you. We are in your hands. A loving Father, a good Father, whom we praise now. Thank you we can come together as your people to praise you in song and word, to hear your word, to be equipped, to be encouraged, to go forward one more week, Father, in the details of life. Help us, Father, trust you more. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We come now to a time of silent confession of sin. Let me read from Second Peter, our confession. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Let's take a time of silent meditation, ask God's forgiveness, uh, particularly for we've judged other people. Ask Him to forgive us for we've judged, made judgments that we shouldn't be making about other people. I'll close this in prayer. Thank you that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Now hear the assurance of pardon from 1 John. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen.
morning. Please stand if you are able for the reading of God's word. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes. No, sorry. Let me start over. (laughs) Um, Our scripture reading this morning comes from James 1, 1 through 4. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes in the dispersion to the uh, dispersion greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This is the word of God. Praise the Lord, saints. Let's try that one more time. Praise the Lord, saints. Amen. Amen. I got a question for you. Have you guys felt that God has pursued you this week? Okay, come on, help me out. You're here. You look beautiful. You got your health and your strength. God pursued me early this morning while I was ironing my clothes for church. Can I tell you about it? I ain't going to tell you about it if you don't want me to. Okay, that sounds like somebody want to talk. I'm ironing my pants, and I was listening to this song by Shailene, and he was talking about, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it's power for all who truly believe. And the Lord, he questioned, I, questioned, I don't know if he questioned me or it was the devil, but he said, do you believe in the gospel? And it was at that moment that I said, I truly believe in the gospel. I do believe what it has done for me. I believe that Christ did it all for me. And at that point, I got a little, a little amped, turned up. You know, my energy got a little hype. Some people say I, I was moved, I felt the spirit. But it is at that moment that I realized that I do absolutely nothing. It's Christ who gives you his spirit that says, I'm going to choose to believe, that I'm going to choose to pursue him as he's already pursued me. So I say to this day to the kids, make your election sure. Because you are part of God's elect if you truly believe that he has called you out of darkness into light. And put your hope and faith in Christ Jesus alone because you're not going to do it. We can't do it. It's all Christ who does it all. So seek him first is what I will leave you with. But we got to pray so we can get on to the word. I know Alice got a wonderful message for us. The Lord is going to use him mightily. Amen. Father God, I do thank you so much this day. But it's a day that you have made and we are definitely rejoicing in it. We thank you for your patience with us. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you, Lord, when we have not done all that you've asked us. You still, you still love us and you still serve us, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for every individual in this room. For Lord, we come to church because we truly believe that we serve a higher power and that is Jesus Christ himself. And that's none of, that's no name above his name. And we trust and know that, Lord, you could do all things but fail. We thank you, Lord God, that nothing extends beyond your fingertips. We thank you, Lord, that you give us the grace, Lord God, that we need to carry out each week when things are strange, odd, you don't seem to understand it. But, Lord, we know that you know all things. Lord, we thank you for each individual in this room that the Lord can go out and share their faith and proclaim your name to all the people that are lost. We thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth. 
We thank you, Lord, that you speak to us daily, Lord God. We thank you that your Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the kids in the room. We thank you, Lord, that you're growing in them up and you're rising, you're raising up a, a group of people that's going to proclaim your name to the world. And they're going to be that example. When things seem hard and like when we don't understand why road race versus wage was reversed. But, Lord, we know that the key is going to stand in the gap because you're going to raise people. So, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that your work will be done. And the devil in hell will not prevail against it. But, Lord, I pray for my brother Alex. Lord, I pray that, Lord, as he come up and speak with all power, that he would decrease, Lord, that you would increase in him. There will not be words of his own, but words that come from thus saith the Lord. Lord, I pray that you continue to grant him wisdom, and Lord, that the word will pierce hearts. That will move people, Lord God, to move and run people toward, towards you, Lord, is my prayer. Lord, I pray for and thank you for our elders and our leadership. Thank you for my brother Richard, my brother Larry, my brother Dennis, Pastor Alex, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, that you have put people in place, Lord God, to help us to be wiser and giving us guidance, Lord, that you have established. I pray that you'll bless that going and that coming. Lord, I pray that, Lord, it's not a day that they don't know you in the part of their sin. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, for their commitment to you. Lord God, thank you for the people that are committed to this church. Thank you for raising up brothers to come here. Thank you for raising brothers that want to be able to put their hands in the plow and not look back. Thank you for the ministry of music. Thank you, Lord God, for the man on the piano and the lady on the drums. Lord, let everything that has breath give you praise, says your scripture. So, Lord, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. And all these blessings yes in your son's name. Amen. Again, you 
the rhythm of joy in the midst of suffering. And this is my main point. If you'd like to take notes and you want to write this down, it's this. Joy in the midst of suffering is a rhythm of God's, it's a rhythm of grace because God's presence is with us. Take those words to heart. That is an amen statement. That's an amen point. Take a mental note of it. Put a pen in it. Joy in the midst of suffering is a rhythm of grace because God's presence is with his people. Again, but do you believe it? I hope so. Please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, as we come to the, the preaching of the word, I pray that you will move. Preaching has no power apart from your work in it, apart from you taking the words of the preacher and applying it to the preacher's heart and, and applying it to the hearts of those who are here and, and maybe those who are tuning in on the live stream. Holy Spirit, you have to do it. Lives do not change. People don't come into the kingdom if you do not move. You have to do it, and I pray that you will. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. God's presence makes joy in the midst of suffering a rhythm of, of, of grace in the lives of believers. But, but how does that happen? How does his presence make that even possible? It makes it possible in two ways. First, God's presence gives us peace. In the midst of our suffering. You'll take that in. You can have peace in your suffering. God's presence gives us peace in our suffering. And this peace comes from enjoying God's presence in your life. Do you enjoy God's presence? Do you? His presence should bring joy to the lives of the people who have saving faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. And if you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, then you will not find joy in God's presence. You won't. This means you're on the outside looking in on the joy. But you don't have to stay on the outside. You can come in. Jesus wants to bring you into God's presence. And let me be clear here. Jesus is the only one who can bring you into God's presence. No one else can do it. Nothing else can do it. Your performance can't do it. Your productivity can't do it. You've been a good person can't do it. You following all the rules can't do it. You coming to church and serving won't do it. Jesus does it. It's in Christ alone. Do you know why? It's because he alone is the one who died on Calvary in your place as payment for your sin debt. He did that. No one else. No one else. His blood it's the blood that was needed. Your blood ain't good enough. Acts 4.12 says, there's salvation in no one else. And in Greek, that means no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And he joyfully, listen to this, he joyfully wants to bring you into God's presence. He joyfully wants to do that. That's why he died. And all you have to do is confess your sins, 
repent of those sins and surrender your whole life to him in faith and trust. Then you will be saved. Then you will be in God's presence as his child, his beloved. And then you'll find joy in God's presence. I say amen. And joy isn't happiness. This joy that I'm talking about is not happiness. Happiness is an emotion that comes and goes with your circumstances. When circumstances are great, I'm happy. When circumstances are low, I ain't so happy. Joy is different. A graduate student from Grand Canyon University wrote, she says, happiness is great. But we can be happy. We get happiness from a lot of things, even earthly things. But joy, on the other hand, is a long-lasting state of being. One Christian commentator said, joy may be defined as a settled contentment in every situation of life. Here's the thing, saints. This joy comes from God. Not your circumstances, not other people, not yourself, not material possessions. Nehemiah 8, 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Psalm 16:11 says, You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. God's doing that. You fill me with joy in your presence. And the same joy that comes from God is only experienced through the power of the Holy Spirit, not through your own power. Not through your will. Galatians 5.22 tells us that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And Jesus says in John 6, the Spirit is one who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The Spirit helps you experience this joy. So now what does everything I just said practically means for you all today? It means this. Joy is you trusting God in all the circumstances of your life. That's what it is. Trust in God in all the circumstances of your life. And that is what gives you peace, saints. Isaiah 26, verses 33 and 4. This is one of the verses I recite every morning. It says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is the everlasting rock. Can y'all picture it? Saints, God's presence is an everlasting rock in your life. And whenever you read it in the Old Testament, Lord God in Hebrew is Yahweh Elohim. That is his covenant-keeping name. So he is an everlasting rock in your life means he's faithful. He's faithful. So his presence in your life is strong, it's steady, it's durable. But again, but do Y'all believe it. That's a question you should ask yourself every day. But do you believe it? But do I believe it? Kids Video Show is a YouTube channel filled with educational videos for kids. The, the Tell Me Why is one of its series. On Friday, I watched Why Does the Moon Follow Me Everywhere I Go video. And if you're a kid growing up riding a car, you always ask yourself that question. The video begins with the professor and Tiger traveling in a car. 
The professor is driving and Tiger is sitting in the back seat. They pass a building, they pass a baby, and they pass fields as they travel. Then Tiger says, Professor, as we travel, we seem to leave the place behind and go ahead of the building and the baby in the fields, but we do not seem to leave the moon behind. It's as if the moon is following us wherever we go. The professor laughs and says, Tiger, that's because even though the moon seems to be close to us, it's actually very, very far away from us. And the objects we pass, they are close by. The distance between the moon and the earth is so great that the distance we're traveling is very small in comparison. So from whichever angle you see the moon, it seems to remain in the same place. And we get the feeling that the moon is following us everywhere we go. Then Tiger says, so that means we can never outrun the moon? The professor laughs again. Yes. The distance between us and God is very, very, very far. He's in heaven. We're on earth. He's far from us, but yet he's close to us. His presence in your life is like the moon. It follows you wherever you go, and you will never outrun it. Amen, Pastor. You will never outrun his presence in your life. It's always there. His presence is for you. His presence is with you. It's behind you. It's in front of you. It's to your left and it's to your right. And it's even ahead of you before you even get there. That's his presence. The psalmist asked in Psalm 137, 139, 7, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? The psalmist answers his own question in verses 8 through 10. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the other parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. But do you believe it? Yes. This means God's presence is with you in every circumstance. In every situation, even in your suffering. And that presence is what gives you peace when you're in the thing. But do you believe? Look at verse 2 with me. James says, count it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever y'all meet trials of various kinds. Pay attention to what James says about trials here. He says, whenever y'all encounter trials of various kinds. So first, Trials in this verse are the external afflictions and hardships and sufferings we encounter throughout our life. Trials don't discriminate. They come from all people. We all go through it. Doesn't matter your age either. We all go through stuff. There are life experiences that can change you for better or worse. Second, trials aren't a one size fit all. We don't all suffer the same. Just because you ain't dealing with it don't mean other people are not. See, trials come in different shapes and sizes. They're they're various kinds. It means there are diversity amongst the trials we go through. And third, these manifold trials can come into your life at any moment and at any given time. They do not ask for your permission to interrupt your life. They don't tap you on the shoulder and say, is it time now? Can I interrupt you now? They just come. And you don't have to go looking for them. They come. 
and there's no, there's no fortress or wall or gate that you can build around your life that's going to protect you from suffering. You're going to go through it eventually. There's nothing you can do. Your money, your success, your connections cannot prevent you from trials. We all go through it. James says, whenever y'all meet them, it's never a matter if, it's always a matter of when. And as one author says, from our childhood, from our childhood home to the retirement home, trials are constant. Constant. I ain't get no amen for that. Okay. Many of you at this moment may be asking yourself, well, Pastor, what are these various kinds of trials that I may experience in my life? The book of James, if you ever read through the book of James, he lists trials throughout the book. In verses 9 through 11, poverty and wealth can be trials. I hope you know that. Having lots of money can be a trial, and having no money can be a trial. In, in, in chapter 2, social, the social status of other people can be a trial. Because you make judgments based upon people's social status. If a person has wealth, we'll be like, you want to buddy up to that person. But that person does not, then you have to shun them. Chapter 3, your tongue can be a trial. But what does that mean, Alex? The way you use your words can be a trial. Chapter 4, your passions and your ambitions and your plans can be a trial. And in chapter 5, even sickness and illness can be a trial. So what, is, what point is John making? The point is this. All of life is a trial. All of life is a trial. All of it. And he commands us to count these various trials as pure joy. To count means to regard, to think, and to treat. He commands us to treat trials as pure joy, to regard our suffering as joy, to think of difficult circumstances as joy. And again, this joy is not happiness. This joy is you trust in the Lord in all the circumstances of life. Or as one British theologian says, joy is an unnatural reaction of deep, steady, unadulterated, thankful trust in God. So do you trust him in the midst of the struggle? Do you trust him? Now, don't, please don't misunderstand what James is saying. He's not saying trials and sufferings are joyful because they suck. I can't, you can't find that in, in the Bible, but, but they do. They do. You don't have to go around pretending that your life is good when you're in the midst of it. They, they, they hurt. And sometimes trials and suffering, they hurt deeply. So James wants us to regard them as pure joy because he knows the presence of the Lord is with us in them. When the joy of the Lord is your strength, you can count all the trials you face in life as pure joy. Because it's all about who you're resting on. It's all about who you're believing in. It's all about who you're trusting in. And you can have peace in the midst of the storm. And why can we have this peace? It's because Yahweh Elohim is with you as your shepherd. See, we have a tendency to run to idols when we suffer. We run to addiction. We can run to alcohol. We can run to sex. We can run to pornography. We can run to comfort eating. 
Your suffering should draw you closer to God. Or we work harder. We try to numb it. God has not forsaken you or abandoned you in your current hardships. He's with you. So trust him. Have joy in his presence. Remember, joy is you trusting him in every circumstances of life. And remember, his presence is your life is an everlasting rock, even if you don't feel it in the moment. Even if you don't even believe it in the moment. His presence does turn to jello because your belief turns to jello. His presence is a rock. And, and, and who he is does not depend upon your belief. If that was true, then you would be God. He is who he is regardless of where you, what you believe in the moment. And sometimes you need other people to remind you of that. This means we can walk through the valley or the shadow of death with no fear of evil because your God is with you. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. And his presence will give you peace in the midst of your suffering. Again, this is either truth or it is a lie. Which do you choose to believe? Kids, what do you believe? You're young. You better say, well, I ain't got no suffering. Oh, it's coming. Oh, it's coming. And who are you trusting to see you through? Who are you trusting to see you through? Because for some of you, when you start paying your own bills, that's going to be your trial. Because <laughs> eventually you come off the parents' budget. First, God's presence gives us peace in the midst of suffering. And second, God's presence gives us hope in the midst of our suffering. He gives us hope in the midst of our suffering. Joy in his presence gives us peace, and knowledge of his presence gives us hope. Look at verses 2 and 3 with me. James says, Count it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when y'all meet trials of various kinds. For y'all know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. I have a few questions for y'all. James says, y'all know. So when does the y'all know occur? Does it occur after the trial has passed you by? Or does it occur while you're in the midst of the trial? When do you think it occurs? The Greek term translated to know is a present active participle. And it can be translated while knowing. Now listen to this translation of this verse. Count it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when y'all meet trials of various kinds while knowing that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The knowing occurs the same time as the counting. It's together. The knowledge in verse 3 isn't gained after the trial has passed you by. James wants you to have this knowledge while you're in the midst of it. That's faith. You don't lay your faith to the side while you're suffering. It's in it with you. And this knowledge of God's presence is what gives you hope in the midst of your suffering. And what I mean by hope, hope Christian hope is not wishful thinking. It's not pie in the sky. And wishful thinking is just a formation of beliefs that, 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 you want, that, that, you, that you want to be pleasing in your life, but you don't have any evidence to back it up. It's wishing upon a star. 
Christian hope is different. It's completely based on Jesus and what he has done for you and what he is for you. It's confidence that our God will always remain faithful. It's confidence that he will fulfill his promises to you in Christ even though you're struggling. That's what it is. You don't have to wait to the suffering past to, to hold on to faith. You believe it at the same time. It's both and, not one or the other. Jesus shares one of these promises with us in John 6, 23, 6 39. He says, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. That is God's promise to you. So this means your trials and your sufferings will never snatch you out of God's love. Nor does trials and suffering mean he doesn't love you. No matter how much it hurts, no matter how much it costs you, no matter how much you may lose, no matter how much you may cry, they will never separate you from the love of God in Christ. That's what you should know. That's the knowledge you should know. Jesus has given you eternal security. Believe that truth in the midst of your suffering. It'll help see you through. Preach the truth to yourself in your trials. And if you can't, call a brother or sister to come sit with you. And if they call you to come sit with them, don't say nothing. Just sit there because you can't make it better. You can make it worse with things that you say. Just be quiet. If they don't ask for your opinion, don't give it. (laughs) Know that God handles your trials sovereignly and faultlessly. And he has a purpose for the trials that you encounter in your life. James tells us his purpose in verses 3 and 4. While knowing that the test on your faith produces steadfastness, let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God uses the trials you face to test your faith. One Christian writer says, in trials, our faith is proven to be genuine. In trials, faith is proven to be genuine faith. This testing on the trials, it proves your faith. Think about it. How is gold refined? How do people refine gold? Is it refined in, in water? Gold is refined in fire, and the same is true with your faith. God is refining it in the fire trials, not in comfort, not in pleasure, not in easiness. And remember, he's with you in the furnace. And that's what we forget. He's with you in the furnace. He's not saying, man, is it hot down there? No, he gets down in it with you. It's all about, you see how important theology is? If your view of God is that he's some clock maker up in heaven, then you, you always think you're alone. But if you have a God who is close and relational and imminent, then you know that he's with you wherever you go. So what is your view of God? Why do you think Jesus, Jesus calls God Father throughout the Gospels? Do you know why? Because Father is relational. (laughs) We connect with that. It's a relational term. 
please know that God is faultlessly and sovereignly handling your trials. And he will see them, see you through them as steadfastness is being produced in us. James tells us the testing of our faith produces steadfastness. That is perseverance. That is endurance. That is staying power. It's not a passive virtue, but as one believer said, it's a militant patience and engaged waiting. It's you having fortitude in the midst of your trials, which gives you the courage to, to face pain and adversity without falling into hopelessness and this total despair. It's, it's having single-mindedness in whatever you go through. It, it, it's to, to endure unpleasant circumstances like trials while knowing that this ain't going to last forever. My Father will see me through. He will provide a way out. Because this stuff can only be true when life is good. Okay? If our faith is only useful when things are good, is it really true? <laughs> this stuff sees you through all of life. Sees us through all of life. James says in verse 4, Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Well, what does he mean by that? What James is talking about is that this gives us maturity. Suffering gives us maturity. It, it's one of the things the Father uses to form us more and more into the image of his Son. That's how he uses it. He redeems our suffering. The full effect of steadfastness can be seen in Romans 5. It says, knowing that the suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. In other words, God is using your trials to mature you and grow you in your faith. But do you believe it? But do you believe it? A Chicago businessman who lost all of his real estate holdings by fire in 1871. As a result, he planned to move his wife and his four daughters to Jerusalem. So he booked his family on a ship from New York to France. But he was called back to Chicago to tie up some loose ends, which meant his family continued on without him. He planned to meet up with them in a couple of weeks. As the ship made its way across the Atlantic, it collided with another ship, and it sank within minutes. The businessman lost his four daughters in his accident. His wife survived, and she sent him a telegram that contained only two words, saved alone. Saved alone. As he sailed to meet his wife, contemplating the loss of his four daughters, he was inspired to pen these words of a well-known church hymn, and it says, when peace like a river attended my way, when, sea bellows, when, when sorrows like sea bellows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Enjoying God's presence teaches us to say in the midst of our suffering, what? This is Participation. What would it teach you to say? It is well with my soul. 
Knowledge of God's presence teaches us to say in the midst of our suffering, it is well with my soul. Let us pray. Father God, you never promised to give us a life free of loss. I wish that was the case, but you don't. You never promised us a life where we never get sick. You never promised us a life where everything will work out for us. You never promised us a life where we will have all this abundance material possessions and all of our dreams come true. You have not made those type of promises to us, but one promise that you have made to us is that you will be with us to the end. That you will remain faithful to us. That you will be our shepherd. That you will walk with us, beside us, behind us, in front of us. That we would never navigate this life alone as orphans, but we navigate this life as beloved sons and daughters of a good, good father who is in the furnace of suffering with us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I pray for all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Will you please stand, saints, as we close our service.
Reconcile Your Worship God, you'll see a QR code there. If you can, scan that. There's a guest form there we'd like for you to fill out. That's how we're able to connect with you and, and follow up with you for uh, just being a guest at TBC today. Again, thank you so much for joining us. And Lord willing, we'll see you all again next week. Here's God's benediction to his beloved. Now may the peace, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. All God's people said, Amen.